what I endeavor to do is to journey with you through the entire New Testament. And so for those of you who haven't done it before, this is going to be a profoundly fruitful endeavor for you. If you sit down and just spend time in reading the totality of the New Testament, reading the scriptures uh, uh, in its totality, and what it, what it will do is it's going to empower you. Um, it's going to give you perspective and insight. It's going to allow you to read certain verses, right? Certain verses that maybe or scripture that you may have read before, but now you're not reading it myopically, but you're going to be reading it through the lens of the entire uh, text. And so uh, and this is why we did this. We went through the entire Old Testament. We've gone through the entire New Testament together. But today we're going to go through the New Testament again. And so we've kicked off Matthew uh, and I look forward to reading through the entire New Testament with you again. We got Angola in the house. Good to see you. I'm live on Discord. So if you see my head swiveling around, moving all over the place, it's because I've got my Discord family who's on and I've got my IG family who's on. I'll also say this before we get started follow or join our Discord community, okay? Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Why? Because the one place I will be every day is on Discord. Not necessarily on TikTok every day. I'm not necessarily on IG every day, but I am on Discord every day. On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we spend time in the reading of the word for the reading ramp. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we just spend a moment in prayer on Sunday nights, we do Bible study. And so I would encourage you to come join the Discord community. That's where it all happens. And also, if anything ever shuts down, at least you know I'm there on Discord, okay? I will be there on Discord. Unfortunately, I can't be on IG today. So there you go. You see that? So it's one commitment that I make is that I will be there on Discord. And also, it gives you a community to connect with after our time together in the reading of the words. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, we got some uh, expansions that we're going to be doing on Discord. So I'm excited about that. And so stay tuned as we continue to expand it. And also prayerfully consider becoming a patron. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frey. If this music... <laughs> music. If this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way, I want to encourage you to consider supporting us. You can do that by just becoming a patron. And I know you may think $10 a month isn't a big deal. It's a huge deal. And on Discord, I got all my Patreon family right now. All y'all in the orange, praise God. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting and being a part of what we do um, as we journey together and grow together in the knowledge of Christ. And so today what I want to do is, is I want to just continue on what we've been reading. And we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 17. I want to encourage you to go there real quick. And what we do with the reading rant is we spend about 20 minutes reading the scriptures and then we spend another 20, 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. Okay. This is a time where you're going to see that just investing 20 minutes a day. Okay. will get you through a lot of Bible. Okay. Sometimes it may feel intimidating, right? To read through the scriptures. But if you would just invest 20 minutes a day and notice we're doing this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're almost done with the book of Matthew. And we did that in a week, just spending 20 minutes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that tells you, you can get through a lot of scripture, um, just investing just a few moments every day in reading God's word. And I'll tell you right now, it'll change your life. It'll bless your soul. And that's why I do this with you. So I want to encourage you to read with me. But as what we do here isn't necessarily a Bible study. It's a Bible reading, a reflection. And so we ask three questions, right? And the three questions that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the, that's the first question we ask. The second question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And that's all we're going to do, fam. We're just going to read together and we're going to journey together in the reading of God's word. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to pray and then we'll kick it off. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together to read your word. Father, bless each and every person who is here. Um, Lord, we pray for your grace uh, today as we read this scripture. Um, guide us in truth. Lead us in the truth of your word. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would be convicted, that we'd be uh, corrected, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be inspired. Um, today, Lord, as we read your word and 
Father, let us know you more. Let us know you better. And Lord, let us discover who we are in you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to go right to it. And it says this. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and came and it came out of him and and the child was cured that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. Verse 22. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And they will keep him. And the third day they will raise him up. Hmm. Verse 24. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me to you. Chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this is in my name receives me. 
But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which is lost. Hmm. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and One of them goes astray. Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Hmm. Good stuff. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Verse 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, what is bound in heaven, sorry, what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And what is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if Two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask. It will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. Then Peter said to him, sorry, sorry. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children, all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? His master was angry 
and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that is due to him. So my heavenly father will do to each of you from his heart. Sorry. So my heavenly father also will do if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Goodness gracious. I'll read one more, uh, maybe two more. We'll see. Now, when it came to pass, Jesus had finished his sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. Then the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I said to and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. So much there. But he said to them, all cannot accept the saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born thus from their mother's womb, And there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have been, who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept him, let him accept it. Then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, Keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to the disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished saying, who then can be saved? Then Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers 
or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here. Um, And I just want to share a few uh, quick thoughts with you in our time together as we reflect on the word. I prefaced this actually uh, earlier this week in my time when I was hanging with the Discord community um, on really the point and the motivation of the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is an amalgam of Jesus' teachings, Jesus' instruction. It is um, a series of stories about Jesus' interactions with people, be it disciples or, um, or, or the Romans, or you would call them Gentiles, the non-Jews and the Jews. And so we, we, we see Jesus' interaction with them and we see how Jesus navigates through relationships with them. We see Jesus with, and you'll see here in the story, Jesus with rich men and Jesus with poor men. We see um, Jesus with those who have and those who have not. We, have, we see Jesus with people who are sick, people who are less enfranchised. So we see how Jesus uh, um, interacts and how he navigates in this world and in this environment. And the one thing that Jesus does is, is that Jesus is exposing the reality that the kingdom of God is not something that we aspire towards, but that the kingdom of God has come. I want to make sure y'all understand this because often so many people are so fixated on how we live, what we ought to do, the things that must happen or transpire in order for us to achieve eternal life, right? That's usually what, what what's taught. What, what are the things I need to do to achieve eternal life? What are the things I need to do in order to go to heaven? Tell me the rules that I need to follow in order to go to heaven. Tell me the things I ought to do in order to get a ticket into this beautiful place where I get to live in eternity. We have a people today who set their lives around, especially in the church world, around a set of rules to go to this place called heaven. And so we see heaven as a future aspiration and not a present reality. So many of us, fam, are waiting to go to heaven. Yes, we're waiting and we're asking, what are the things I need to do? Because somehow we believe that the good people are the ones who go to heaven and the bad people are the ones who go to hell. And the good people are the ones who follow the rules really, really well. The bad people are the ones who disobey the rules over and over again. And so we press and we attempt to live these lives in accordance to whatever rules we see in the Bible. And we look at those rules in the Bible and we say, if I follow those rules and I do them well, then I will get my ticket into heaven. And if that's how you think, you've missed the point. And if that's how you think, then Jesus has no purpose. If that's how you think, then what Jesus did on the cross has been made of no effect. I say that because we often talk about what Jesus did, but somehow we think that we have some kind of say or participation in our own salvation. We think somehow what we do and the rules that we follow somehow aligns and comes beside God. And and so we're partnering with God for our own salvation. We are hopeless in our own salvation. We cannot do anything for our own salvation. There is nothing that we can do to be saved. There's nothing to do with us. 
And so when we think of heaven as this future aspiration, this this future reality, this we we miss the point. We miss the point. Jesus is not coming to announce the kingdom of God or the coming of the kingdom of God. That was John the Baptist's job. John the Baptist said the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus did not come to announce the kingdom of God or the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Jesus has ushered in the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is not a future hope. The kingdom of God is a present reality. I think sometimes when we think of the kingdom of God, we think of heaven, go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. Sorry. Jesus said, your kingdom, what? Come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all heard that. Your kingdom come, not go to the kingdom, but the kingdom comes. And the coming of the kingdom of God coincides with the will of God. That's all it is. It's living out the will of God. That's all it is. So anybody who teaches you then and instructs you and tells you, well, the Bible says you need to do all these things in order to go to heaven. They're already, they've already got you out of alignment. They got you out of alignment with what the scriptures are saying. They've missed the point. And this is the unfortunate reality for the Jews in this text, because the Jews have all been living under the law. And now Jesus comes to say that I am the fulfillment of the law. So then they miss the whole point because they're not seeing the fulfillment of the law, which is, again, if there's a law, there's a government. If there's a government, there is a kingdom. And so if Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, then Jesus is the one who's establishing the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not anything that is directly in alignment with some kind of political position. Okay, the kingdom of God is not Republican or Democrat. The kingdom of God is not liberal or conservative. The kingdom of God is a whole different way of living. If the kingdom of God is a present reality, then the kingdom of God is a way of life. Let me say that one more time. The kingdom is here and it's a way of life. That's the part that people miss. So we're so busy trying to go to heaven that we miss that the kingdom of God is here and now. What Matthew is doing is, is Matthew is revealing to us what the kingdom looks like through the life of Jesus. Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. And that's why we see over and over again, Jesus is teaching the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. He's teaching them the kingdom of God is like. You may have thought the kingdom of God was this, but the kingdom of God is like the kingdom. And you'll see him say it over and over and over again. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And of course the disciples are thrown because they're going, hold on a second. So the kingdom of God is not following rules in order to attain this higher status and this higher standing? No, it is not. How do we know that? Because we see, even as we're reading through this text, he talks to the rich man and the rich man says, what must I do to attain the kingdom? He's literally saying, what do I need to do to guarantee that I'm going to heaven? Jesus looks at the rich man and is like, Follow the rules. 
<laughs> he says you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. That's all of us. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we learned that in church. Right? But to verse 20 is the one that should shake you. Because the young man says to him, I have all these things. I've been keeping them from my youth. What do I still lack? Wait, hold up. He's been following the rules. He's been following the rules up to this point. And he still feels like he's missing something. Whoa. That sounds like a lot of Christians. Sounds like a lot of people who believe in Jesus. Sounds like a lot of people who trust in Jesus. Yeah. What what do I need to do to be saved? Because God, I've been following the rules. God, I've been I've been doing all the stuff that the Bible says for me to do. God, I've been following the Bible, and yet somehow I still feel like I'm missing something. So what am I still lacking? Can I talk to some folks real quick? Can I talk to some folks who uh, you are wrestling with what's next? You've been trying to follow the rules. You've been trying to do the best that you can. You've been trying to live your best life. Do the best thing. Be the best Christian you can be. And yet there's a part of you that feels like what I'm doing isn't good enough. And that's because it's not. It will never be. And God never asked you to live a perfect life. He asked you to live a life in submission. He asked you to live a submitted life. Whew. Oh, man. I could be here all day, y'all, fam. Because you know what I realize is there's folks who've grown up in church. They don't actually live submitted lives. They don't actually live submitted lives. Nope. That ain't it. You want to know how I know that? I know they haven't lived submitted lives because they'll preach Bible, but somehow they'll still seek control and power. Mm. They'll, they'll preach scripture and preach rules, but somehow they still want control over their destiny. They'll, they'll preach truth, quote unquote, but then somehow they've made God like this genie who like answers their prayers because somehow they believe that that's who God is. They'll preach and tell you all the rules, but then they don't tell you all the rules. They just give you some of the rules. And then the other rules are like, ah, that one doesn't apply today. This one does though, but that one doesn't. So let's just, and you ask them, well, when did, who decided when it applied and when it didn't apply? And they'll say, well, you know, it doesn't apply today because of, you know, whatever. And then they, they create a new religion, a new relativism. It's hypocrisy, y'all. It's hypocrisy. And so they're sitting around telling you, do this, don't do that. But yes, you used to not be able to do that. Now you can do this, but don't do that. And then, and so what, at least people lost and confused because now the only way I can follow this is simply to follow what somebody says. Follow somebody's rules. Because I can't even, I can't even decipher <laughs> I can't even decipher which rules to follow. Listen, man, I just need to know, what do I got to do to be a good person? What do I got to do to go to heaven? You know, what's the stuff I need to do? And so we just keep doing, 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 doing. And then we find ourselves like this man right here. He says, I've kept all the laws and all the rules. What do I still lack? And Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, 
All right. This is for all the people who want to be perfect. If you want to be perfect, let everything go. Okay. For all the people who want to live their best life and want to live a purposeful, meaningful life, who want to live a glorious life for the people who say, I want to be righteous. Ready for this? Let go. Yeah. Let go. Let go of any, everything and anything in your life. And to say, you know what? I actually am not in control of any of this. I'm going to submit all of this to Jesus. I'm going to give all of it up to you. I'm going to live a life in submission to say, I own nothing. I'm just a steward of everything. I'm going to live knowing that I serve under somebody, someone who is much greater than me, who has authority over me. Some of us, the reason why we can't find peace is because we're still trying to control things we were never meant to control. We can't find peace because somehow we're losing our minds over our children, not realizing that our children aren't ours, they're God's. We're freaking out about the business that we started, not realizing that the business was not ours. It's not based on you or your reputation. It's God's. You stress about money you're going to gain and lose and all of that and, and not realizing that none of it is yours. And because you treat it like it's yours, you really can't find peace because you're living on borrowed resources and borrowed time. God has entrusted you with what he's given you to steward what he's given you for his glory. And yet so many of us hold on to and clutch to our things as if they're ours. We, we treat our children like they're ours. We treat our husbands and wives, spouses like they're ours. We treat our money like it's ours our home, like it's ours, that business that you started, like it's yours. Yeah. You sign a piece of paper that you have this percentage of ownership. And so you treat it like it's yours. And then you wonder why you're not at peace because the reality is you own nothing. God owns everything. Yet God has entrusted you with what he's given you, but because you have not submitted all of it to God, you can't find peace. Because there's something deep down in your soul that tells you you're actually not in control. You're actually not in control. And this man who's been following the rules, you want to know what he wants? He wants control. He wants power. He wants to still be God. <laughs> he wants to be his own God. So when Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Jesus was going right to where his God was. I'm going to let y'all know real quick, okay? Because I want to make sure y'all don't read this wrong. This is not saying that if you're rich, because there's rich folk in here, okay? If you're rich, it doesn't mean now you need to just give all your money away. That's not what it is. It's, is the money your idol? Because if the money is your idol, then you need to give it away. Why? Because you can have all the money in the world and lose your soul. This is for the person. So you can replace this with whatever your idol is. Jesus was confronting this man's heart. And you know what's crazy to me about this text? Man, I can go. There's so many of these in this text about the kingdom of God. I'm going to get there. I, no, I won't. I won't get there. I can't promise that. Um, I won't get there because we're, we're running out of time. But y'all know how it is. We always run out of time. But 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 you know what's crazy about this text to me? The, the, the most perplexing part of this text is that the young man heard what Jesus said. Verse 22. And he went away sorrowful. Oh my goodness. He, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. 
goodness gracious. Lord, have mercy. Jesus tells him what he needs to do, and he sorrowfully walks away from it. This is bondage. He's sorrowfully holding on to his possession. When he could have what would give him joy, he's sorrowfully holding on to his riches. He's sorrowfully clutching his purse. He's not even doing it with joy. And how many of us have done the same thing? How many of us sorrowfully hold to stuff? Sorrowfully holding on to things that we know are keeping us from God. As much as you may say this rich man sounds like he's insane, he's not. He's not as crazy as you think because we've all done the same thing. And so he said, it's it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. There's a powerful image there that Jesus is teaching. And, I, you know, I'm going to give a little bit of teaching. I don't have a lot of time, but I'll give a little bit. It's not supposed to be a teaching moment, which is supposed to be reflecting. But I've been stuck on this. I've been stuck on this, this notion of, of the grace of God and how much we frustrate the grace of God. Frustrate the grace of God because we actually are still trying to hold on to stuff we shouldn't hold on to. But here's here's what I find really powerful about this image that Jesus presents to the disciples. He says to them, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And ready? Most of us will say, it's impossible to go through the eye, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Cause you know, you'll look at a needle and you'll see like how small the hole is in the needle. And you'll say, it's impossible. Then there's no way. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, it isn't impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Let me teach for a second. The eye of a needle, again, this is what happens when we read the Bible from our lens and not from the lens of the, uh, the, you know, the moment, the time. We read it out of context. So we read it out of context. We miss what the text is saying. The eye of the needle was actually a location on the wall. Notice that cities at the time were cities that were barricaded by walls. And the walls were used to protect those cities. And so the walls, again, that would be used to protect those cities, at night they would close the doors of those cities so no one can come into the city, again, to protect the city. And there would be security guards standing at the gate of the city. But for those who who needed to come into the city at night, at a certain point, you couldn't get in to the city. So if you need to get into the city, you had to go through a hole that they would create in the wall that those in the city would know. That hole in the wall was called the eye of a needle. And the interesting thing about the eye of the needle is that the hole is just large enough for a person or for an individual to squeeze into it. Meaning, if you go into the eye of a needle, you're going to have to It's only going to be you. You won't be able to bring anything in with you. And they did that as a measure of security because, again, you don't want a guy who's a robber or a thief to come in who's got a sword and he's able to squeeze in with the sword, right? He can only squeeze in where it's just him. And this was to protect the people who were in the city. And so what Jesus was saying there is he's saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, meaning some of these eyes of the needle were just large enough for a man to walk through and for his camel to walk through, but it was very, very difficult. And usually the only way that the man could walk through and also for his camel to go through 
was if he took all the possessions on the camel that he traveled with and threw them to the side. The eye of a needle was an entrance that required you to give up all your possession to get into the city. It was tiny. And so, look at that. Miri's doing it for us. Thank you, Miri, for posting that on Discord. There you go. I'm teaching today. <laughs> I'm teaching today. And so, if a camel goes through, it's going to go through without the possessions. And that's why he said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because if your pockets are fat and if you got a lot of possessions, you're not going to be able to fit in and you're not going to be able to get in. He's simply saying this is that as long as you're rich, and that's the difference between being rich and wealthy. I don't know. I've, I've done this teaching before. People who are rich care about their money. People who are rich value themselves based off of their money. Those who are wealthy have grown on generational wealth. And so they don't see money in the same way that rich people see it. Rich people are... <clears throat> Are, um, and, and also, I want to say this, and again, I, I don't, oh my gosh, I'm out of time. Um, wealth is not a matter of how big your bank account is. Let me say that one more time. Wealth is not a matter of how big your bank account is. And there are folks who think that if they have more money, then they'll be more wealthy. Some of the poorest people on the earth are some of the richest people on the earth. My question for you today, do you want to be rich? Because if you want to be rich, you can sell yourself, sell your body, sell your clothes, sell your soul, sell your mind. Rich people sell. Wealthy people earn. Wealthy people attain. Those who are wealthy continue to attain without doing anything. And the thing is, is that for a lot of rich people, you still attach your value to the dollar amounts in your bank. Whereas wealthy people attach their valuation to the assets that they have. This is why you can be rich and not be wealthy, but you can be wealthy and not necessarily be rich. Some of the richest people on the planet are some of the poorest people on the planet. And some of the wealthiest people on the planet are the people who don't necessarily have the most money in their bank account. The question is, is what do you wanna be? Do you wanna be rich or do you wanna be wealthy? Because wealth that's another conversation for another day. But wealth is a valuation, not a dollar amount in the bank. And there are folks today who have lots of money in the bank, and yet they live in poverty. The poverty of the soul, poverty of the home, the poverty of the family. There are those who are rich and don't live long. There are those who are rich, can't sleep. There are those who are rich and spend most of their wealth protecting their riches. <laughs> there are those who are rich who don't have peace. I'm sorry, y'all. I'd rather not be rich. I'd rather be wealthy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today, Lord, as we um, engage in your word. Father, let's be reminded, Lord, that our true wealth comes out of our dependence on you and our submission to you. Not on our power and our ability and, and our capability to, to perform or to follow your rules or to do 
Um, Lord, <laughs> what good Christian people do. Uh, but Lord, that we know that our um, that our calling and our inheritance comes from what you have done and what you've accomplished. Father, teach us to let go of things in our lives. Lord, that still control our minds. The possessions that we have, Lord, that have possessed us rather than to allow us to possess them. And so, Father, give us the grace to let go and give us the grace to trust you that we would learn that we are owners of nothing, but that we are stewards of everything. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna keep talking about what this looks like, y'all, what the kingdom of God looks like. And I wanna encourage you guys, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, tomorrow we'll be on Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Freya. Tomorrow we'll be on Discord. We'll spend a time in some scripture reflection, but mo most of our time in prayer. So I want to encourage you join our Discord community. Also, I want to encourage you to uh, support us on Patreon. If this ministry has been a blessing, I'm praying, y'all. I'm praying that we would get the support we need to keep this thing going. Um, and when I say keep it going, I'm going to do this regardless. If I have zero patrons or zero support, I will keep sharing the word. However, I've, there's some things that I've been praying about that we can invest more time, resource, and energy into. And it's going to take your support in order to make that a reality. So fam, your support means everything. Okay. It means everything. So if you would love to join our Patreon family, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Um, also, no, that's it. Yeah, we're good. That's it. Um, Discord. Oh, text. 954-231-1848. That's 954-231-1848. Love y'all. Uh, my next study is starting. Do your thing, Anna. Do your thing. Um, but uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll spend a few moments in prayer. God bless you guys. See y'all tomorrow. Peace out.